0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dominaria's Judgment, a weekly Constructed Magic podcast brought to you by me, Arielax, and usually Dom Harvey. But uh, he is in fact bringing us the content of showing up and playing in the literal Pro Tour. Uh, with well, I, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, he has posted his deck on, um, I guess, still technically Twitter. And uh, today with me, we have a Jarvis U, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have Jarvis U do what Jarvis does best, which is uh, make twitch predictions but i guess i'm making them to him and he's gonna have to be the one making the decisions
1: oh god uh i don't know if i can handle the stress you know it's it's there's some big stakes on the line here yeah I, i didn't really figure out how
0: to make the like channel points work but all of your channel points with the podcast are on the line if you lose these predictions next time you come back you will have no channel points and you'll have to earn them back all right um i'm up for the task of not quite gambling on the
1: outcome of a tournament
0: yeah, it is only gambling in, like, Belgium and North Dakota or wherever Twitch doesn't allow you to uh, do those various things. I, I'm really unsure on the rules, but uh, the good news is, is that this is our podcast and we get to set the rules. So, um, we've got this long list of questions that Jarvis has not seen. This is the important part because he's got to make these assessments on the fly. If you got to make them in advance, that's just too much, uh, too much leeway, you know. Can't let you get away with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... <laughs> we are going to be asking a bunch of questions about the upcoming Pro Tour in Barcelona, uh, featuring Lord of the Rings, uh, Modern Constructed, and Limited. So let's kick off with Modern. Uh, I think this is probably the like big question of the tournament. Okay, Jarvis, uh, place your bets. Which card will have the most copies in top eight of the two? Orcish Bowmasters or the One Ring?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to take Orcish Bowmasters on that front. I sort of predict that what's going to happen is... People have efficient enough decks to either get under the one ring or just play a lot of Ractus Scam tuned with one ring decks in mind. Uh, I, I kind of just l- like the look of how Ractus looks nowadays, and I kind of think there's room for some other decks in that vein to thrive. And I do think a lot of the one ring decks have some vulnerabilities that maybe you'll ask about later. Okay,
0: um. I would have selected the colorless card here but I understand that bowmasters is effectively colorless we'll sort of get to this in the results section of this week but that card has kind of just been everywhere in every deck um I think the only thing that might complicate this question a little more is that there are bowmaster ring decks um yeah, which no, I think segues true. segues into the next question which is um do you believe the or, you know the total number of bowmasters plus rings in the top eight uh, will it be 0 to 31 or 32 plus?
1: 0 to 31 or more than Total 31. Total Bowmasters and Rings. Uh, I see. Um, God, that's so complicated. Uh, I think I would
0: take the over. You take the 32 plus. Yeah. I think I would agree because I think it's relatively easy for a Bowmaster Ring right. to copy. Um, just because like, there are a number of those decks, blue, black, Yawgmoth, all those, but I thought setting the line at like the average deck having four of all of this is very interesting because as soon as you end up with like two cascade decks in the top eight, all the numbers are just thrown out the window. So I, I yeah,
1: yeah, or like, you know, a burn deck or, you know, something, I guess even like Amulet Titan, I suppose has four one rings. So I guess the math is kind of weird and fuzzy. Four? I think. That whoa, whoa, whoa! Dom only played three, I believe. No, you know it's complicated. If you looked at his deck photo, there was three plus a flipped over like ring tempts you card. But if you look at the oh. deck list, there are four. It's also a sixty-one card deck, and there was a Terrace Under missing in the deck photo. So uh, a lot of a lot of a lot to unpack in Dom's uh, deck photo. So no, there, there there were four one rings for better or worse.
0: Okay, I'm disappointed that it was not in the style of like the pre modern players where they like make a picture with their deck, but you know. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so moving along to the discussion of the different One Ring decks. Uh, predict highest win rate deck among the One Ring decks. We've got Four Color, Tron, Mono Black, Breach, and then Other.
1: Um, I think I'm going to actually take Tron, but. That may be biased towards the fact that I've heard rumblings of some of the bigger teams playing Tron, which is kind of unfair. I I guess in some degree, I sort of don't believe that four color ring will take the PT by storm, mostly because I believe that is the default deck that people will test against the most. That and Ractor gamble, I believe, is where the like the majority or the you know the directed testing will be for most people. Okay, I was going to take Breach.
0: I think that deck is fairly good, and I think that the thing with Breach that is going to keep it head and shoulders above other stuff is that the people playing Breach are, like, the Breach players, so you're sifting out some amount of, like... I think with, you know... I guess it is hard to say that, like, oh, you're not a Tron player if you're on one of the top teams, but, like, I think there is Mm -hmm. some amount of that, whereas, like, just, like, the lower sample size and filtering towards top, like, top Breach players on the Breach side will help that win rate a lot
1: my my question for you is how many of the people in this pro tour do you think would actually be so-called breach players? Because from my perspective, the people who play breach were not qualified for this event. Like the uh, Jesse Robkins, the Corey Baumeisters, and I guess Kane was, but I believe I have information that Kane is not likely to play breach in this tournament either. So it's, it's interesting to think about. Okay. We will see um okay so on the note of the
0: other side of stuff uh copies of recto scam in the top eight zero to one
1: exactly two or three or more i would take exactly two um one thing i do not enjoy about the recto scam deck is i think the mirrors kind of suck to play but that's uh not a reason not to play it but i do think there's gonna be a lot of cannibalization of the mirrors like when you get closer to into the winner's circle like i I kind of expect scam to be heavily played and for it to do fairly well but then towards the end of the tournament they'll start knocking each other out so you'll only see two whereas decks that do prey upon scam and there are some will just sort of filter past all of that yeah i had exactly two as
0: well as my bet um just like i think that it is it's like a fairly high peak in terms of averages. Like there mm-hmm. are the tournaments where scam has a horrible time, uh, just because people have decided to beat it. There's the tournaments where like no one decides to beat scam, or it just kind of like coast to the top eight in the hands of you know good limited players who go seventh through mm-hmm. scam. But I, I kind of feel like we're in the middle with the broadness of the metagame.
1: Yeah, I uh, I don't think this is a pro tour where scam will be not respected that's that's what i would be saying it, like if there are people brave enough to bring hammer you better believe they're going to have four sanctifiers and you know unload the heavy goods on to the scam players yeah
0: it's uh i i think it might bring us to the next question uh which is kind of like this topic of like scam making itself targeted by cards like sanctifier which is uh will hammer climb show up in the top sixteen?
1: Uh, is this just a binary yes or no question? Binary yes or no. I would say yes. And it'll probably be on the back of someone going five, one unlimited as well.
0: <laughs> hmm. Okay. I also had yes, but I, I just think that it's like a little bit better position than people think in, in part because, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about this thing where four color is falling out of favor as a one ring deck. And like, that is the one ring deck that really beats hammer as opposed to the other ones that are just like the one
1: ring is sort of annoying for hammer. Yeah, um, I also think I saw a lot of hammer players starting to play cards like Mana Tithe and even Reprieve. And if you set up a critical turn where they tap up for the ring and they just get Mana Tithe or Reprieved, I think the game just ends on the spot and they kind of just die, you know, instead. Because you spent four mana, basically your fog is no longer there. Whatever your removal you may have wanted to hold up, you're kind of just going to get, you know, take off damage in the meantime and maybe just die on the spot. Yeah. I, yeah, if
0: you get that one turn, it's just over. Um, especially if, like, that one turn is in the form of, like, them losing a card and all that mana. Like, it's just so crushing. I've, I've seen
1: rumblings of strict Proctor as a sort of counter to A, the One Rings trigger, and B, the, you know, pitch elementals can't be pitched if they're tapped out or whatever. So that may be something that, uh, arises in the Pro Tour. I believe this was advocated by, uh, disgruntled L K K, aka uh, travis brown mm-hmm. that makes sense uh travis
0: has been on the forefront of innovating hammer for a while so yeah i would give that a try i mean too late for all the pro tour players that submitted their decks <laughs> but you know uh if you're listening think about all the things you could have done um on the other side of things will the Jamir ring deck make top 16 i will say answer <laughs>
1: Well, I know your answer is no. I also am not quite really impressed with that deck. I kind of think what it's trying to do is not that great, and it's very, very clunky and awkward. I kind of wonder if it's just a bad Azorius ring deck is my suspicion. I kind of think that's the case. I also sent you a list earlier where some person just mashed up Azorius and Demir into one deck, and it also looked kind of unplayable to me, but you said it looked better than straight Demir, but... You know? Yeah, I mean, I really like the addition of cards that can actually answer things on
0: the battlefield <laughs> in the form of Leyline yeah. Binding and Prismatic Ending. So that's probably a step in the correct direction.
1: But why don't we just play Azorius and cut off the Doomier cards? Shh. People aren't allowed to know these things. I mean, but they're is they're, they're allowed to know now. Bro- well, no.
0: The actual answer is that you want Bone Masters, right? Sure. Or at least you think you do. I'm, I'm
1: not even convinced this deck pressures well enough with Bowmasters to want it. In my mind, Bowmasters is in that deck as a removal spell. Like it's, it's kind of like a weird, like last gasp or raise the alarm or however you want to put it. I, I really just don't understand that deck, and I kind of think the more prepared players are just going to like, you know, cast a thought season, cast all their stuff, and and you know, kill the phone. Oh, God forbid you play against a competent burn player. I think that matchup might actually be zero percent. I believe it. Also, I think your characterization <laughs> of bowmasters as
0: like a removal spell is kind of where I'm at on the card in general. Mm-hmm. I I don't. It's pretty hard
1: to win games with the card as like your sole threat. Did Did I show you the screenshot where my Demir opponent had Chalice on one and two, and I just killed them with Screw at the critics because Rowing Vortex locked out their force of negation? Yes, you did show that. I yeah, it's. That. I, I believe the matchup is really bad for them. Like burn, yeah, this Demir. I cannot imagine
0: that being a good matchup. They just don't have cards that matter. Um, okay. Quantity of Violent Outburst decks in the top eight. Zero to one and two plus. And I, I will note there is a specific mm-hmm. reason I didn't say Cascade. It Like, Violent
1: Outburst is the card. <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, I guess I'll go with two plus. I, well, I would actually pick, I would almost be inclined to think it's Exactly two, but two plus covers that. I don't think it'll be more than two, really. Yeah, that's
0: about where I'm at. I think it's likely about two. I, I think there's a world where we cycle back to living end just being a free roll at this pro tour, and mm-hmm. I think that um, there's also room for like rhinos or even glimpse to show up.
1: One thing i I'm not sure, um, and I've been told that it's kind of complicated. I don't know what happens. Even if you prepare for Recto Scam as Living End, I, it still seems kind of bad to me, but I obviously didn't put the work in to actually determine what you should do from the Living End side, how you should even build your deck, or even like what the best counterplay is to the whole Void Walker issue, you know?
0: Did you see the uh, Bone Crusher Giant meme? It doesn't make it, sense to yeah, me. Yeah,
1: I. Well, I don't understand that screenshot. I don't understand that deck construction. I just don't generally understand anything about that screenshot. So uh yeah, I I guess Bone Crusher lets you kill someone through a ring trigger, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, I think that like it kills of well it doesn't really kill it sort of kills a Void I don't know. The Void Walker thing is just stupid.
1: I I I hate well I don't know how to play against uh, Scam well enough as Living End, and I think if you're registering Living End for this PT, you better understand that. So I I don't know. I, I guess I don't have any advice, except if you're playing Living End, Godspeed.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know what you're getting yourself into,
1: and yeah. you hope it's not the Mirror. Uh, I, I kind of enjoy the Mirrors in a weird sort of way. Because what happens is you just have to have a better board. Well, that's and the end of this balance.
0: podcast. And uh, <laughs> nice talking to you, Jarvis. All right,
1: and, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, uh, I destroyed all. It. But really, what happens is is just like a two bad draft decks battling. And I found that I usually win those games on MTGO. Weirdly enough, I don't know. It's just like I don't overcycle my things. I kind of just balance both of the zones, and then my opponent usually loses because they overcommit to one zone.
0: Yeah, the whole thing where, like, well, one zone? You, Which zone are we
1: talking about? The hand, the battlefield, or the graveyard? Oh, I see. Uh, I usually just balance having stuff in graveyard and in uh, play. Not in hand. I Like, who cares about stuff in hand?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, so my understanding is that the stuff in hand is kind of, like, how you, like, effectively apply stuff to the board after the... It, no, no, um, sure. I'm not continuing this. We're going okay. on to the next question. Okay. Um, let's talk about a deck that you mentioned briefly, which is Burn. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to know where you think the highest finish by a Burn player will be. I've got 1st through 12th, 13th through 24th, and everyone else. I'm taking 1st through 12th. I re- I'm a strong believer. I am as well. Uh, I'm actually going to be showing up this weekend to a tournament, a uh, team trio tournament, playing Burn, uh, assuming I can find my yeah. last. Skullcracks somewhere in all of my things.
1: Uh, uh, I think I might have Skullcracks for you as well. But, I'm uh, sure you do. I'm sure I can send uh, you a list.
0: But I know I own them, and I know I loan them to rank. <laughs> that makes me mad about it.
1: Okay. But yeah, the, the thing about Burn, uh, and I just noticed this in the results last weekend, it did extremely well over the events I was looking at, and I started to think about why, and I think the fact of the matter is, I don't really care if someone taps out for a one ring versus me. That just means I'm going to kill them on turn 5 instead of turn 4. Like, you just get a very specific window the turn after that, where they're probably going to take a damage from their artifact as well, and if they don't really have a lot going on, they're probably still going to die, and you can probably even weather, like, an extra turn of them having the one ring, and they just take two damage from that as well, like, I I really don't think it's a big deal playing against ring decks, which is one of the attractions of the deck to me, personally.
0: Yeah, like, you kill them in the window where they have basically cast Ambition's Cost, and then
1: playing the one Mm -hmm. ring
0: fogs, like, your main phase, and you're just like, I'm going to Boros charm you on a different phase.
1: Yeah, the the Burn deck as Constructed nowadays doesn't even have that many creatures, which means the fog isn't as valuable because your spells can navigate against that. Now, the one thing I will caution for people who are maybe playing Burn in the Pro Tour, be wary of timing windows versus 4C and other ring decks where if you suspend a Rift Bolt or something like that, really, really try to avoid doing that unless you really have to. Just for mana efficiency. It's, it's so backbreaking to get it one ring door to ferried.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is like a thing in the format. Um, I guess not so much versus like. It's like a weird set of decks. I don't know. But like. Yeah. There are a lot more cases where you are justified on the draw just suspending your Rift Bolt on turn one because you can't sure. suspend it on two into Teferi. You can't suspend it on three into the ring. And then you're just like hard casting sure. it on turn four or whatever.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the the. The open deck list thing helps a lot, I think, as well. Because it's actually weirdly one of your better cards was Chalice of the Void, same for Skewer of the Critics. I mean, I, I mentioned the aforementioned game where there was a chalice on one and two, but I had expended all my one minute spells by that point. And I mean obviously I drew a few more because that's how the deck is, but your three drop spells then do become important. So again, open deck list, if they have chalice, reassess and you know. I I think there's a lot more like little things you can do with burn that people don't realize. And it really, really does get a bad rap for a deck. Yeah, I... I mean, yeah, it's represented hard by its worst
0: pilots. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next question. We're getting even weirder with the decks. Uh, Oh, gosh. We've got, which alternate combo deck will have the highest finish? Uh, Samwise Combo,
1: Glimpse Cascade, or Calibrated Blast? Oh, my God. This is... uh this is a tough question to answer um okay not not even taking into account the username of my MTGO account i'm actually going to go with samwise combo mostly because i think adding the lonus and game objects part to the deck actually made the deck better uh as seen by that one person who they, they basically played Abzan splash lonus, uh game objects samwise combo. i don't even really know how to describe the deck it's just a game objects deck right like um calibrated blast i think is much worse than open decklist as well like you'd i mean i'm not even sure how much you can really improve the deck and if your opponent knows it's coming like maybe they just don't go to 15 get an extra turn like you know do a lot of weird stuff and then like try to navigate around it with the one ring and stuff like that um and glimpse um i don't know i i don't really love that deck but i don't really have a good reason not to love it <laughs> Yeah, I actually said Blast. I think that the the latest list of the
0: deck that's like sort of a through the breach deck has been pretty enticing and like, the land selection has gotten a lot better. Um, But I understand that this is a crapshoot and the consistent choice is probably Samwise, but I'm just voting for uh, a different deck, which would have potentially been another Cascade deck had I
1: suggested Cascade because I don't know if Throws of Chaos counts. Oh, I see what you're saying. Throws of Chaos is technically a cascade card and has mean, retrace. Basically, no other text. It, it just says cascade. What else is it? Uh, yeah, uh, it has retrace. It's a retrace card too. That's very true.
0: Okay. Uh on a note that we just said, how many copies of Lowness do you believe will be registered at this tournament? 0 to 2 or more than 3 or 3 plus, I guess.
1: Oh wait, hold on. I can answer this question by seeing how many that person played and predicting there's like one or two copies of the deck. I'm going to go with one copy of the deck. So how many were in that list? I think it was three. I I predict someone just copies the deck, essentially. Uh, The answer is three. I believe there will be three. I'm going to take the under because I think that there just
0: wasn't enough time before deck uh, submission. But if there had been another week, it would be easy three plus. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, on creature combos, will the highest finishing Yawgmoth deck play the one ring and
1: it's 75? Uh, I think so, but I think it'll be sideboard, not main deck. Yeah, okay. Uh, that is about
0: where I'm at as well. I think the card is just, like, a good... You know, it's it's the perfect card for the grindy match. Yeah,
1: I mean, it unironically is the perfect card for the grindy matchups, but I think more importantly, it alleviates some of the problems that Yawgmoth has, which is when someone just decides to go full press on your creatures, like Fury, you know, of like, Scam the Fury, all of your stuff's dead. The One Ring is sort of something that you can deploy into that sort of setup without having much fear, because it literally doesn't die to any of that stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, yes. It it play I mean, Grist was never really good enough in those variety matchups. You needed something sure. bigger. And like, I mean, I guess the One Ring and Yawgmoth do have some of the same problems, but not really entirely. Like, the One Ring is better if they actually strip away your material on board.
1: Right. Whereas the One Ring just gets you a bunch of material and probably bridges you to a kill. Like, maybe two to three, two to three turns later, it kind of depends on... What has actually happened to you in, in the game, you know? Yeah, it
0: is a bit awkward because, like, the one ring costing you life matters a decent sure. amount in your Yawgmoth combo yep. deck. But, like, you can probably work your way around it. Like, the raw card draw will actually get you to your Blood Artist or Zulaport Cutthroat. I don't know. Pick your poison there.
1: Uh, probably Zulaport Cutthroat, right? For the... The, the bullshit I think, targeting. I think so. I do think Blood Artist
0: is a noticeable upgrade against Burn, um, just because okay. their creatures do die in combat. Yeah. But it's you know usually what happens is the Blood Artist or Cutthroat just immediately eats a bolt and you effectively gain four life off it.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, one not this question before we bridge over to limited. Will a player get three or more draws?
1: Ah, uh, so the question is actually asking, is there a slow enough 4C player that doesn't know how to play their deck fast enough getting three plus draws? Um, Three is a bit much. I would predict two.
0: Okay, I I think two is free. And like, also because someone... I guess you don't double draw into top eight anymore or whatever, but I think two is free. So you're saying no on three? Yeah. I also said no on three because I think the Pro Tour players will have the dignity to concede before they get to that point,
1: but I could be wrong. Well, I, I, I said, know. yeah, there's also the issue that I think if you're good enough with the deck, you should identify when a match is likely to go to time and try to alleviate either game one or two, like quickly enough. Usually it'll be pretty obvious by pace of play. Sometimes it's unavoidable. Like I've definitely played four C mirrors that have gone to like turn 15 plus in this iteration of the format. Cause it's actually really, really hard to kill someone. Um, it's just between the yeah. wandering and, like, all of the pitch cards, like, no one actually dies. Like, and usually, I I played a match in the team tournament at St. Louis where round seven, it was game three. Uh, My opponent, Nicole Dubin, had drawn, like, nine plus cards on me by an emerkel on my sideboard. So my plan was to deck her. Like, and obviously that's going to just take a long time to get to that point. But, yeah, she eventually ended up with six cards in deck with Elshorn in play, and I drew Emrakul and... I mean, Emrakul was all she wrote. <laughs> yeah,
0: Emrakul does stuff. It's like the way to end the game. But yeah, my understanding is the games end with Emrakul or someone like running out of literal things to do in deck.
1: I, I agree. I think having thought about that match a lot, if she had identified that she wasn't supposed to get so greedy with drawing cards with one ring, I think I probably could have never won. Like, that's just a strategic thing you have to identify. Like, just leaving stuff in your deck to draw into so you have enough combat steps. Yeah, you needed like 11 cards and not six or something like that? I think probably like I would have gone with like 18 just in case. Like, okay. or like, um, th- this is sort of a case to be made that maybe if you have endurance in your sideboard, it's okay to side one in. I don't know. It- it's just, it gets really weird once both people draw like a bunch of cards with the one ring. Uh, yeah, the
0: endurance thing is pretty horrific. Okay. You ready to talk some limited? I guess, how much of this
1: format have you drafted? Uh, let me check my spreadsheet real quick. I mean, I've done a okay, bunch of like, fake, fake arena drafts, but uh, let's see. The answer is 15, which is not a lot, but I spent some time in between drafts just watching and reading what other people do, so I think I have a a reasonable pulse on the format, not like, not like if I were playing the Pro Tour sort of pulse on the format, if that makes sense. Yeah, I have not
0: really engaged with the format, but mostly because it feels like the kind of format where all I have to do is just like, I have consumed a lot of content and watched people and it's just very, mm-hmm. it's it's a very straightforward format when you I, just like get yeah. told, it's like, okay, let's just get tempted by the ring. And it's I, like, okay. I,
1: I definitely agree card. with that. Just, just a, a short rundown of the format is, I think it's kind of obvious what the good cards are. Most of the cards that say tempted by the ring are pretty good. It's a parasitic mechanic, so the more copies of cards that ha- have that text on it, the better your deck gets. Um, I think the green being bad thing is a little bit overblown, uh, and I also think, you know, I think generally speaking, the Grixis shard is going to be fought over heavily in the Protor drafts. Okay. Well, that brings us to our first question. Which archetype will have the most draft
0: trophies? Is it Rakdos, Orzhov? Four color legends or one of the other archetypes.
1: Uh, I'm gonna go with is it, and I'll probably I'll, I'll just explain why real quickly. Both of the is it signposts and comments are really really broken, and they're kind of easy to draft around. Basically, if you first pick a Gandalf sanction, you can sort of draft sort of a pseudo Xenoflare deck similar to Icoria, except obviously not all of your cards have Cycling One or whatever. You just have to like play normal Magic. If you draft Bilbo Baggins. uh bilgo bilbo burglar uh i I don't remember the exact name of the card but that card on curve it's extremely obnoxious because it's impossible to block like it's just a one x with tempted by the ring you hit your opponent you get a treasure you kind of just snowball out of control um i'm not going to say it's ragavan in the limited format but it feels pretty damn close it's Unblockable Ragavan, thank you very much. And it's Bilbo
0: Retired Burglar, I believe. And okay. I'm actually taking the rest. I think that the color preference dynamics are okay. actually enough of this Pro Tour to allow...
1: Sure. I don't
0: know what archetype, but I think that there is enough of a chance that, like, Golgari or Boros or Demir pops through sure. and comes out ahead of the obvious choices of it and Rakdos. Uh, I think White mm-hmm. Black was kind of out of there to make this,
1: like, I think if you included white-black in the rest, it's just too easy of a question. Sure. One, one thing about the Demir deck is I think that deck's pretty good too, so I wouldn't be surprised. I really have a disdain for straight white-green. I basically think straight white-green should be more colors generally. I think most of the green decks should be more colors, just generally speaking.
0: Yeah, I mean, white-green is largely just like how many Frodo's do you have and can you put other legends in your deck because you have Frodo?
1: or can you put other legends in your deck because of many partings, or uh, the land that lets you filter into casting for legends, or Shire yeah. Terrace in a pinch, which is not my favorite card to play, but it's acceptable to play some number of. That card is horrific. It's like, evol- it's like evolving wilds that
0: ETB's Yes, Yes,
1: but let me explain. Like, I believe you don't actually die in a lot of games in the, the format, so you do have a little bit of time to spend fixing your mana, and p- playing your, like, really, really... Broken Uncommon Legends is worth a lot to me. Okay, that's
0: fair. Um, on the topic of green, what percentage of trophy decks do you think will be green? Under or 10% or less, 10 to 15%, and 15% plus?
1: So if we think about it logically, there are a total of 10 draft decks, right? Like 10 oh, yeah. color pairs. But obviously there's like a bunch of multicolored decks. Um, I would probably, let's see. So there's four green decks. So normally if, if it was an equal power level format, uh, it would be 40%, right? Like that would be the expected number, but I don't think it's an equal power level format. So I'm going to go with 10%.
0: You said 10 to 15 or under
1: 10? Yeah, 10 10 to 15. Because I think there is, like, an exploit, uh, like you were mentioning, like, either Golgari or Selesnya, like, splashing a bunch of other powerful legends. That's a good exploit deck, especially if people really have the perception that green is unplayable. I mean, green is worse, but I don't think it's unplayably worse. I think it's just kind of, you would prefer to, like, first pick your claim the Precious and, like, take your Corbane second and draft a nice, smooth black deck. But sometimes that doesn't happen in a PG draft, you know?
0: Yeah, I was actually going to guess um, that it would be the, like, 15-plus percent, but not by much. Maybe, like, mm-hmm. 18 to 22 percent.
1: Well, how many draft pods are at the Pro Tour is the other thing. Like, I'm, I'm kind of curious. It's percent, that. though. Does yeah, but um, I'm kind of just thinking about it. Well, I guess it it really doesn't matter, yeah. But I, I was just kind of curious how many draft pods there are going to be. And also, if there's a weird multiple of not eight, what happens to the two weirdo pods? You know, like that, that weird sort of oh, stuff. I don't know. They, yeah, it, they, they do something.
0: I don't yeah, think it really matters.
1: I, I agree. I,
0: I think uh, that the number is, there's a probably like high 30s
1: draft pods, like 38 or so. Okay. So if we said 10 fifteen percent, that would be like three point eight to let's see, uh, three point eight to five point four, so like uh, approximately four to six. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Um, the we
0: here's here's the low stakes one. Uh, the feature drafter in the first pod, the very first feature drafter. What rarity will their first pick be? Rare or mythic? Uncommon or common? I think it's most likely to be uncommon. Actually, I agree. There's a lot of really busto uncommons, and the rares yeah, that's, are like shockingly medium.
1: It this is this format weirdly has the opposite of problem of like Fate Reforged or March of the Machine, where like the power is concentrated in the uncommons for the most part. Obviously, there are like a few really broken rares, but if you actually look at the rares, most of them are like only okay, is what I would say.
0: Yeah, they're, uh, it's like a, a set designed in like the 2000 to 2010s era where like the, the there's a few good rares, but like a lot of the power is just like whatever the best common and uncommon are.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the list real quick. Okay, Anderil Flame of the West, obviously first picking that. Arwen probably first picking that. Um,
0: there's Gana... like 10 to
1: 15
0: uh, rares that are just broken.
1: Yeah, Pounder of Orthac, I think, is actually pretty good. Yeah. What the, well, what the hell is Radigast of Brown do? I've never actually seen this card played. That's the oh. green
0: card that, like, I, I don't know what it does,
1: but it's a format of thing that draws you
0: more creatures when you play creatures. Oh. It seems
1: pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's probably. Spiteful yeah. Banditry is probably the best actual mythic slash rare to open. Spi- no, I don't think that's true. Well, what do you think it is,
0: son? The best or oh. mythic to open? It's just bowmasters.
1: Ah, uh, sure. There's also Witch King of An- Angmar, which is really brutal to play against.
0: I mean, I would also argue that opening Anduril is the dream at the Pro Tour. It's just broken, no matter what your deck is. Yeah, right. I mean, with because, like horn or Palantir.
1: Yeah, it's funny because that's actually a sword that doesn't have to hit your opponent to get the sword effect. Like that's literally what it is. It's a sword that makes more things that you put the sword on. They just die. It's just really yeah. Boring. It's they uh, die. Uh, it's over. It, I've I've played against this on turn 5 equipped to a legend, so I was immediately dead. Because the creatures oh, attacking. Like, you. Is I mean, I was going to lose if it was on a normal creature, but I was extra dead because it was on like some... It was on, like on a ring uh corbane, so it was just like mega dead. Omega dead. It really didn't matter what it was on. Like, they're just yeah. like
0: What are you gonna do? Kill the thing with a sword on it, and then they just put the sword on. Like, what do you like? All their things are X ones. You play the Black Breath, and none of their other cards ever are a creature. Like,
1: you're just dead. Oh yeah, Horn of Gondor is close to that level as well, but that at least requires a lot more mana invest, and and can be answered by Black Breath, which I actually believe is a main deckable card because it says Tempt You on it in this format. Yeah,
0: yeah, Tempting is quite powerful. Okay. Um, We have exited the limited portion, and we are on to choose your fighter. Okay. Okay. We're we're starting off with the highest stakes one. We have uh, highest finishing player, parentheses, Canada. We have...
1: uh... (laughs) (laughs) We're really starting shit, aren't we? We're just starting the shit for Fournier, aren't we?
0: (laughs) Okay, we have... (laughs) This is why this is the first one. Okay, we have... Dom Harvey, Misplaced Ginger, which I'm just not even going to you know, list the real name because everyone knows Misplaced Ginger and maybe 50% of the people know who Misplaced Ginger is, uh, <laughs> Edgar Magies, or choose your fourth-party Canadian write-in, and I will strike you if it is one of the people who is
1: on a later bet. So I'm not allowed to pick Alexander Hain, is what you're saying? That is correct. That would be cheating. Okay. Well, I was wondering why Hayne wasn't listed in this uh, pile, but... Okay, so the choices are Dom, Edgar, uh misplaced ginger, and the so, your those other are, Fighter. And she's my other fighter. Do you have if you have an alternate, you know, guess, yeah. To- I, I'm gonna go with Edgar actually. Um one thing is I think actually the weakness in Edgar's game is generally limited. And I saw a tweet from him that said he felt confident about limited this time, so You know, I I think Edgar is probably going to do the best of those. Um, Also, this is a format where I think Edgar's skills of playing either a great midrange deck or some weird linear combo deck probably shine the most through. So I I actually think, without any information, I don't actually have any information. My prediction is, is Edgar's playing Scam, and he's going to play it pretty damn well.
0: That is a great argument. Um, I, however, would like to continue making this podcast, so I have chosen my... (laughs) Wait, hold on. on. So you've chosen 61 card Dom Harvey? I actually think Amulet is well-positioned right now. Uh, This was something I've been thinking about for a while in the format, which is how the Rakdos decks... This is sort of inductive of the fact that Lorien Revealed has started showing up as a four of in a lot of places, and Mm -hmm. in addition to that, people have started picking up on Generous Ent and all the other ones in other Mm -hmm. decks, is that Blood Moon has just become worse and worse like every single week. So the scam decks are actually cutting Blood Moon and also trying to beat the Mirror by cutting Blood Moon, and that is a lot of their percentage points against Amulet. Like, the games where you're just running like your discard spells versus Amulet are actually like in the percentages you want to evaluate. Like, oh, this matchup's Mm -hmm. like... 35, 40,
1: 45%. It's not just like, oh yeah, I'm dead like 30% of the time. And then I have to play an uphill battle. Also, one really smart thing Dom has done, he has a sideboard generous scent. And I know exactly yeah. what it's for. It's secretly it's a- for Blood Moon because you can pact. Yep. So I think what's actually going to happen a lot with Dom's lists versus Blood Moon decks is he can play all of the balance ones out and they have no drawback. And then the turn where you like packed you know, cycle your thing, get forest, postage with their thing. You know like it kind of just unlocks everything and they probably just die in a flurry of god knows what's been in dom's hand this entire time right yeah that
0: is exactly what i expect to happen uh summoning pack for a base or summoners pack for a basic force is quite powerful mm-hmm. okay we have our next pick your fighter which is the goat tier we've got paulo reed nasif and nathan whoa so we're disrespecting kai
1: Paulo, Reed, Nasif and Nathan. <laughs> so it's funny because uh, there's actually been a lot of comparisons to Nathan's run being as good as Kai's run back when... Like, Kai... The, for those of you who don't know, there was actually a period of time where Kai, like, actually won everything. Like, it was kind of insane. And you it feels to, it,
0: like... It's just unbelievable. Like, it's literally... Yeah. Like, you can't... I cannot
1: fathom, like... yeah. But I, I do agree that Kai is not in that same tier player anymore, simply because I just don't think he plays enough, which is obviously a huge drawback.
0: No, he I, was always
1: someone who put in a lot of work yeah. and really maximized
0: that work. He was never a John who, like, no. when Finkel played, he just was good. Like, I, it's just, yeah, I don't even know. It's something else. But no, yeah, Kai, I was okay. always just like,
1: yeah, okay. work
0: better and harder.
1: Well, Kai was the person who had two copies of Apprentice on his laptop, on a flight, playing against himself sort of guy. Uh, and it, you obviously can respect that. Well, I guess, okay, Cockatrice is the equivalent, modern-day equivalent of Apprentice. Sorry, y'all. Um, but all, all jokes aside, um, I'm probably going to pick Nathan. I think just, like, it, ju- like, people unironically use the word momentum, and I don't think that's the right word, but I do think they're – Winning does beget winning, mostly because you have a good frame of mind. And he's on one of the hardest working teams. And I mean, like, it's really hard to say that he's anything but great at magic now, right? Yeah, and I am selecting Nasif. I think
0: that, um, I think that he's just like put a lot of work into modern and is mm-hmm. the most grounded in the format. Um, and I am glad that you did not fall into the
1: trap. What was the trap? Paulo's not playing this Pro Tour. Oh, I I actually did know that in the back of my head. And I also, given Paulo's complaints about Modern, even if he was qualified, I probably would not pick him for that reason. That's totally fair. But I did want to set the one trap for you. Okay. Um,
0: This is less of a choose a fighter. It's a break in this game of favorites, which is uh, what continent will the Pro Tour winner come from? North America, Europe,
1: Asia, or other? Hmm, really good question. Um Still by a numbers game, uh North America has the most people playing this road tour, so that would be the logical choice. However, I'm gonna call a dark dark horse out, or probably not even that dark of a horse. My body, my pal, Stefan shoots. I think he's gonna make a deep run this tournament. Um, I think that Modern is definitely a format that rewards playing it a lot and knowing your deck inside out. I think he's one of the best Modern players in the world. We'll see what happens for him. And I I think this is a draft format that he can thrive in because the blue decks are really, really, really good. And I think he likes to draft that sort of deck. That's fair. I
0: also have selected Europe uh, as the, you know, it's home field advantage. Uh, I think that the, like, past history of pro tours have shown like a decent overrepresentation of yep. European players in the modern pro tours. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, just, you know, my fair guess based on like the numbers being close enough. Um, okay. Next one. We have a highest finish among fan favorites, which is, I think this is probably the most egregious of these because it's just like, choose your favorite as favorite and like, sure. you know, fuck everyone else. So right. we, we've got, uh, you know, pro tour grinder, favorite Christian Calcano. Oh uh, my God. He's back. I forgot yeah. that. Twitch TV favorite, Jim Davis. Mm. And, uh, you know, long-time favorite across many events, Autumn Burchett.
1: Wow, those are the... Okay, so is Jim, Calc, and Autumn. Uh, I think I'm going to pick Autumn for a bunch of reasons. I think out of those three players, Autumn is by far the best by a lot. Like, not really close. And I've been watching Autumn Streams uh she's she's been doing really well in the draft format and i think she really understands it now for her modern deck uh i don't know like <laughs> it, you, you know her range it, it's really really wide there's a chance that she talked herself into some deck that's really not very good but i hope for her case that's not the case but i, I do believe in her in draft
0: yeah, I mean, if you want to talk draft, I would, you know, I don't think that there's a clear cut winner between Autumn and Calc, but I sure. think that Autumn has just been more engaged with the game for yep. the last several years, and it's just really hard to pick, you know, not the person who is
1: probably the strongest technical player among this group. Agreed. Well, one thing about Jim is, I think he actually has been playing a lot as well, but it's unclear to me how much of that playing is sort of focused, directed playing on the like format itself because oftentimes I'll click on a stream. It'll just be like some weird nonsense and like historic or explore. I'm just like, all right, I guess I'll go to a different stream now.
0: Yeah. To be fair, I guess I was probably egregious uh, in not including aspiring spike on this list. Oh, sure. Uh, But I kind of felt like between, you know, choosing between Jim and spike, uh, I think both probably actually have like similar skill and like experience levels of the format. But Jim just over the last few years has actually like sure. been at these events, putting up the performances. So it's you know if you're in the choose a fighter, it's kind of hard to like make an argument for like this person has you know at least a top eight, and this person is
1: playing their first pro tour second. Well, I think it. I don't think it's the first or second. I think it might be like fifth ish. Is my uh, su- suspicion? Uh, actually, I had a good chat with Spike in Dallas. I, I hung out with him for one dinner and hung out at his house. It was pretty cool. Um, he LCQ'd into the RC, then qualified for the Tour off that. This was after both of us lost the finals of a PTQ in Minneapolis for Barcelona. So I'm glad that he got there. Obviously, it kind of sucks for me, but, you know, really nice to see. I think what people don't realize about Spike is I watch his streams a lot. I think his technical play is really good, and you can tell by the fact that he wins with some the most, like, Nonsensical decks I could not recommend to mere mortals, if that makes sense. That
0: is totally reasonable. Yeah, I uh I yeah, that, that is a good assessment. And yeah, it, the answer I believe is like second or third, depending on how you count set championships. Sure. Probably third.
1: Well we can uh, always we can always look it up nowadays with the power I mean, of
0: Which is what it is. Oh, um, I see. Yeah, I it's really yeah, the gap is kind of large there, uh, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Then we've got the uh, Pick Your Fighter Pros Pros Division. Uh, so this is where we come into Alexander Hayne,
1: Tommy Ashton, and Alan Wu. God, why you gotta do this to me? Um Alright, spoiler, last Sunday, uh, I had to give cards for Tommy for this event because I don't think he owns that many cards, but obviously, like, he messaged me for two sets of cards. And I believe he is I don't know if he wanted it in public. Um I believe he is playing the deck that we don't hate compared to the deck that we do hate. <laughs> so there's
0: a I mean, there's a lot of decks that I could hate or not hate. So it's well, we'll it, there it, eventually. He he was it's okay. to,
1: we'll see, they'll be published yeah. uh,
0: before round four.
1: But uh Alan is just a great player, but he does love love to push his boulder up a hill like i don't know uh i'm gonna go with hayne i think uh out of those three hayne is probably still the strongest player at well speaking at peaks like he's definitely the strongest player of those three and i think allen's probably second and tommy's probably third but i believe the differential between hayne and allen is further than it is between allen and tommy but that's that, that's kind of nitpicking, because obviously all three of them are pretty strong players. Yeah, I actually have Allen here.
0: I think, Al, you you know, Haynes' highs are definitely higher. I think Allen's median is just, like, basically his high. It's kind of just like, it's really, you know, having a bad Allen Wu tournament is kind
1: of hard, I think. You mean, like, Bren Butter 10-5 in RC that he doesn't really care about?
0: Uh, you mean like eleven four? Like I'm thinking of the pro tour where he was just like, I'm gonna play Phoenix and the Hoga. No one cares. It's fine.
1: Oh yeah, that was a weird one. And he said he made some small mistakes. Like he he went back and wrote like a a post mortem of the matches that were on yep. camera for him, and he like identified all the mistakes he did made, which is obviously really valuable. And I mean, I I think people just don't do that enough. Really, like there's always the temptation to just hop in another week, but how much do you actually learn? playing another league versus like trying to figure out what mistakes you made in positions you weren't sure on? Uh, a lot. I don't know. I at least do. Okay. Fair sure enough. I think it maybe for you is you are aware when mistakes are made and you're like, Oh, I won't do that again. Whereas like a lot of people, they just kind of like write off the mistakes as not being mistakes. And it's just like bad luck and don't really think about it. That's fair. Okay. We are moving out
0: of the uh, selection of players, and we've got a prop bet. Uh, Will Watsi preview a Planeswalker from Wilds of Uldrain during the top eight of this tournament? Uh, And the answers are Oko, Will Kenrith, Rowan Kenrith, and no. I'm going to go with Oko and yes. Okay, I am going to go with Rowan Kenrith. I think that they are in a spot where they, they just like previewing red Planeswalkers. I don't know what it is, they just do. Doesn't Will Kenrith have a Planeswalker already? Uh, Will and Rowan both have They have a shared Planeswalker and multiple other Planeswalkers. Or wait, they have two shared Planeswalkers, and do they have a
1: split one? A separate one? So Maybe. there's Will Kenrith slash Rowan Kenrith from Commander of Legends Battle oh, the Game. one Game.
0: The, they are the DFC and they have the, the partner one, right?
1: Yeah, that's why I think it's unlikely to see them again.
0: I mean, this is their home plane. You not know yeah. the Lord Jarvis?
1: I mean, I don't know the Lord, but I kind of—it's King, it. King. It, like it's yeah, Ken kind of Carrith, the Return King. Yeah, I, King. I get it. Okay, yes, uh, I mean I, he's I, dead now, and therefore
0: the whole story is about what happened. Anyways, don't worry. I, I think there's going to be another Oko. Okay, that's your that's your argument. Okay, yeah. even though Oko's not from there, they'll just put Oko back again. Got it? Yeah, not, it, not a it, bad it, argument.
1: It, everyone loved Oko. <laughs> okay.
0: We have a we have a question now that had to have a late breaking change to the uh to, to the options. We have is Dom playing amulet? And the options are yes and yes.
1: Well I pick yes. I pick yes sixty one card amulet.
0: Uh yeah, I mean <laughs> Yeah well, I,
1: I, I will quote to you what I what he posted in a different chat is playing sixty one may be a mistake, but it wasn't an accident. this is your co-host man i don't know what to tell you
0: (laughs) you know i i appreciate the um accuracy in word choice yeah it's
1: very british of dom to put it that way right
0: uh yes even though he was lumped into the canadians uh that is in fact a british thing to do i guess
1: well he's He's like fake Canadian and actual British.
0: That's true. Okay. Uh, We have one question. Uh, A true Twitch chat classic is what will Dom's record be in this league, which will be the day one modern portion? 5-0,
1: 4-1, 3-2, and frowny face. Oh, I see. That is a class one. That's like... That's like what I do, actually, in my streams. Red and like, butter, you can't run yeah. one of these without that exact prediction. Okay, I,
0: for Dom's sake, I'll pick 4-1. I also have 4-1. I have faith in amulet. I You can't pick someone to 5-0 unless, like, okay. something is really skewed, but I'll
1: take a 4-1 here. Well, I, I'm not sure I have faith in amulet, but I have faith in Dom to bamboozle some of his opponents with amulet. I don't know what... Th- How do
0: you bamboozle someone with amulets? I don't it's, know! Like, like, it doesn't have bamboozling. It's just lanes and Titans. Uh, now. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I... Okay. I'm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, uh, I think that's it. If you have another prediction to throw at me, fire it off. But that is where I was going to end and talk about results.
1: Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, we, we missed the Nazgul question. Well, I guess no, it's not. A good I am not answering. So, you wanted to pitch in what is the most number of
0: Nazgul someone will have in a draft deck? First of all, that's like almost a first pickable card most of the time. Second of all, in the like 1,700,000, you know, different drafts that uh, 17 Lands has collected, the highest number is like four. I think
1: maybe there might be one instance of five or something like that. Fair enough, fair enough. I was just mostly memeing. Like, I really want someone to get all nine Nazguls, but it's. Mostly you can't impressive. pass them. They're
0: worth like $12.
1: Well, it, more than that, it's actually an easy first pick card, I think, in a lot of packs. Because yeah, it's, it's a very powerful card. It it and, like, the Berserker are both pretty good, but Nazgul is better than the Berserker, obviously, because it also Much gets berserker. bigger. Uh, two and a box three, two, tempt. They're, like, similar cards, but obviously... NASCAR oh, Enterprise Berserker,
0: yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: the common. I was trying to think of, like, what uncommon you were talking about. No. Okay. No. Um, yeah, I guess... We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, did you take note of all these predictions so you can do the post oh, I, I have them
0: all in the show notes. And they oh, will yeah. be... Uh, <laughs> the show notes will be posted to Patreon with your predictions. So, after the Pro Tour, me and Dom can come back and assess whether you defeated me and I have my predictions as well. So we'll see who won.
1: Okay. Interesting.
0: Okay. Uh, moving on to results. So as like a little preview, uh, I, I mean, I think a lot of the results this weekend have been, you know, relatively what you'd expect. Uh, like, I think the notable thing is that there's just a million decks that didn't have bow masters that just have them. Like, Somewhere along the line, the domain zoo decks became bowmaster decks, and then there was like a burn deck with bowmasters in one of these top eights. Um, just kind of in every deck list. In I don't know if it belongs in all the deck lists, but if you are at least able to pressure your opponent for the first ten or so damage, it's a pretty good card.
1: So we're bowmasters and burn. I also saw that list. Um, really like adding the third color to the deck, but you know, it it is what it is, right? <laughs> You don't like bumping the night, Jarvis? It does three well, target uh, you know. It's light. okay. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, like the flashback comes up non zero amount, I would say, but not a lot. Eh, I don't know. Like taking damage in like versus other creature decks kind of sucks too, which I, is something that I, the the, lo- the flashback's not going to come up in a world with like, sure.
0: anytime you have six lands, how many of them are going to be like Fiery Islets or whatever? It's just too many.
1: Uh, I don't love Fiery Islet in that deck, so I agree.
0: Yeah, well, you know what I mean. It's just like the idea of sure. like, you, you, have, you know, every time you have one of those, you're not going to save it for your bump of the night for the most part. You're going to like try and draw a card, I think.
1: Well, I think it's better equity for you to cycle all of your things if you're on like three lands and just hope to hit the critical mass that way instead of hoping to draw like three more lands and then like somehow still be alive. And your opponent hasn't like cast Omnath or some other nonsense. Or, like Shieldred is the other big problem for the burn deck as well. If you let things get to that point. Yep. Yeah. Uh,
0: continuing the game, not a very profitable thing. Um, so scam, obviously crushing it throughout all these events. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the choice of like which value land? I mean, Aside from both of our proclivity just never mm-hmm. put a locked there's been like Takanuma lists. Uh, I was fiddling with, there was a list that popped up with a witch's cottage that was kind of interesting. There's some Aganim awakenings and Oliphants and trolls. There's actually a list in one of these events that had uh, Persist with a bunch of like Oliphants and trolls as like, oh, Persist is also a thing that can sort of scam your opponent. So we're talking like slight riffs on Rakto's
1: scam. Yeah, but like choose which land sure. you like best. Uh, well I I I obviously will never be caught registering Castle Octwain in basically any format, except maybe one in Pioneer, but that's also dicey for me nowadays. Uh I think probably personally for me it would be Takanuma, but I w- wouldn't be thrilled about it. I could be convinced that Witch's Cottage is better, I think, because it's fetchable. And also the oh. persist the, the persist thing sounds interesting to me, but it sounds like, weirdly, you're giving yourself more exposure to opposing Voidwalkers for not a lot of game. But I don't
0: know. I think the Persist thing is absolute nonsense. I would probably just go with the basic Takenuma. I would, yeah, Or sure. even literally a basic. Sure. I am not sure. super enthralled with any of these ideas.
1: No, I, I, I... Yeah, I, I've i always wondered, in, like, Pioneer or this format, do you actually, actually have time to channel Takenuma, get something meaningfully back, and then cast it? I, I've always been really skeptical of that. In Esper Legends Legends, second standard, obviously, like, Raise Dead for one mana off a of land is incredible, and I didn't doubt that. But I doubted it in both Pioneer and here, like, a lot. And a friend of mine tried to convince me that you should play it in Black Stompy, and like I said, I'm like, absolutely not. I'd rather have Swamp in my deck.
0: Yeah, I think in Modern, just specifically because Fury is a card that you often sure. want to hit twice in a game, like, it is... Signif- like Fury and Bowmasters, especially, are the reasons that it's good. Uh, if you, okay. without both of those, it gets a little dicey, but with both of those, it's quite good. That makes sense. Okay. Um, and then on the continuing topic of scam, uh, how many Blood Moons would you play given the, like, you know, we were talking about how much sure. you play
1: over time? So I was thinking about this. And I think the answer for an open deckless tournament is I might play one in my main deck to make them respect it and sideboard extras, um, and I think it might literally be one. And also, it I will know the matchup too. I'll know if Budman's good or not, and I'll value it appropriately. I might just have the Miser's one of. I
0: think I might play two still, but I understand. Sure. Yeah, moving that down. Okay. And then, I guess the final question, you know, talking about this metagame, what would we have each played at the Pro Tour? I think I would have registered Burn. I, I have not been especially satisfied with Scam, but like, or, I don't know, I I also want to say that if I was playing the Pro Tour, I would have put more time into Breach, but I just mm-hmm. haven't done that.
1: Yeah, weirdly, I think I was leaning towards Burn because of this past weekend, plus the Periolum slash league I played on one day. Um where I actually won a lot most of my matches. I lost to Scam once and I lost to Calibrated Blast. Um uh, like there was Gemstone Caverns nonsense involved, like so I got killed on turn three, which I don't think happens that often, but it can happen, obviously. I I was very impressed with the deck. Like rolling vortex is really good in a lot of game ones, and then You'll know what configuration you want to side into. Um, I know we had some conversations on how to build the deck. It's just, I think burn's really good. And if you know how to play your deck, you get a lot of of free wins. Then there are some people who simply just cannot interact in the way that they need to versus you in this field. Yeah. And I don't even think it's like the deck just wins. Like it's not just like, oh, the free wins. It's
0: like, there are a lot of games that like your opponent tries to do stuff and then just dies
1: yeah i i was thinking about this before i remember when like people were like oh creativity is bad versus burn and like and i saw this reflected when nasif said he was literally like oh, seven versus burn as creativity or something like that and that's that's a world-class player who's not going to like take unnecessary damage from their lands or whatever you know like i i think the deck is just weirdly good versus a lot of weird exploits as well um and what, what what are the bad matchups for burn that are commonly played now?
0: Um, I think the Libyan decks that load up on leyline of sanctities are not okay, the sure. most fun. I think the scam matchup is a lot closer than a lot of scam players say. Probably got sure. a push. Yep. Um, let me think. There's one I'm definitely forgetting off the top of my head that is just like absolutely horrific. Well, hit, hammer's bad.
1: It, hammer's bad.
0: Uh you get your most effective cyborg card in the whole format against them. Sure. You mean Artifact Searing Blaze? Yeah. I would not want to play the Footfalls or Titan matchups a bunch. And probably uh, sure. play Mark Tide, but I don't think that matchup's as bad as advertised.
1: No, I, I I think secretly the thing about Burn versus a lot of his decks that have off counter spells is you kind of want to be mindful of when you're actually casting your spells and think about if you actually want like What's the downside of casting into a counterspell here? Can we wait? If we can wait, we probably should. Because at some point, they're going to have to like do things, otherwise you're going to just like fire a bunch of bolts at an inconvenient time for them. Yeah, I mean, the way to
0: view it is that if your opponent doesn't do stuff, you just continue to draw burn spells, and their life total effectively reduces over time, because they only have X number of counter spells in their deck, and you have way more than that burn spells. Um, so they have to do something, and there's always that window after they do something. Unless they you know land something early, in which case that's the game that your Searing Blaze wins.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I think it might be Burn or weirdly maybe Coffers, but I I it's kind of hard for me to figure out what the list should exactly look like. There's a lot of I don't think the deck has been iterated enough is how I would put it. Yeah,
0: I like that deck, but it feels like there is some flaw somewhere. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's
1: it's hard to tell exactly what it is, though. It, that was my exact feeling. I was like, "This feels strong." I'm not sure how to fix the deck because, like, there's it feels like something's missing. I don't know how to fix that flaw.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. Well, the problem is, is it feels like something's missing. You don't know what's missing. It's just kind of that weird bond.
1: Yeah. Um, well. I guess there's a chance that Spike plays no coffers black. I guess we'll see how that goes, oh, Mario. I do not like that deck, so yeah.
0: Anyways, uh, yeah. So there is one other result of note, which brings us right onto the nonsense of the week. Um, we have, uh, you know, Orcus Masters is, I believe, one of the you know one of the best cards in modern. Uh, very powerful creature removal spell, hate card. It's also Splinter
1: Twin, apparently. Uh, yeah. When I saw this pop up, it w- was it just literally today where it popped up? I think it was. It was basically, like, late last night, early today. I mean, sure. did you know what the card Flump did
0: before you read this deck list?
1: I'll be honest, the answer is no, because AFR is a black hole to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, Flump. for those who did not, like... I don't even know why you would interact with this card uh, in any instance besides, like, I don't know, looking at the spoiler of AFR. It's one in a white for an 0-4 flying. Whenever it is dealt damage, you and target opponent each draw a card. So you can kind of see where this is going, where uh, you deal the damage to it with Bowmasters, you each draw a card, It you know, they have drawn a card, Bowmaster triggers, Uh, that loops, but it ends at the four toughness, unless you give it indestructible with, this deck has blacksmith skill and ephemeral shields to do that, um, and so it's really just like pairing those two with that. And what ends up happening is you make an infinite power creature um, deal infinite damage to Flump. Each player draws infinite cards, and the way this deck actually kills its <laughs> opponents, so there's there's the kill where you just have two bowmasters yeah. and the other ones shooting them. But instead, what if you just had sixty three cards so that the infinite cards decked your opponent?
1: And it, it act when I looked at this deck, and I was thinking about why does it have to be sixty three. 3 I realized in most games you play with this deck, you're going to have to recruit her once for one of your pieces and cast Elodomry's Call once for another of your pieces. So you have to be at 61 after that happens, so it probably should be 63. Now, the danger is, what, do, what, what if you have to recruit more than that, or a call more than that? Then what happens? I don't know, your opponent's probably drawn some cards, it's fine. Or they're fetching.
0: Bowmasters, and they die. Yeah, notably, this deck has no fetch lands. the mana base is an Aether Hub, four City of Brass, four Gemstone mine, four Mana Confluence, two Reflecting Pool, a Plains of Swamp, and four Concealed Courtyards. Um, Creature base, four Giver of Runes, a Selfless Savior as a turable way to give Indestructible, four Flumph, four Orcish Bowmasters, and then with your five-color mana base, you know, you're supporting... Red for Recruiter, white and black for the core combo, blue for two Teferis, green for four El- Eladomri's Calls. And then you've got like a suite of interaction because like the indestructible spells between skill and actually ephemeral shields, which is a, a weirdo convoke way to give indestructible from M15 mm-hmm. Limited, um, they're a form of interaction. But you also have Thoughtseize and then Gutshot is like a really weird, powerful card in this deck where... Um, it is both a way to kill things, but also you can cycle it through a flump and use that to kickstart your combo.
1: Yeah. And one other thing is, I think it's important that your opponent doesn't have a bow master out. Uh, otherwise things do get messy is what I mean. Yeah,
0: you, you do have to kill bow masters in your, uh, every player draws cards deck.
1: Also ether file to support the fact that you are a creature deck. Mm-hmm. The- I, when I actually looked at this deck, I was actually reminded a lot of five core humans. But what if you weren't a beat? What if you weren't a beat deck? What if you were just a weirdo combo deck instead? You weren't reminded of Cephalid Breakfast because that's what I've heard the comparison to. I was not reminded of that because a your mana base is a lot worse, and b your interaction suite is a lot worse. Yeah,
0: Gutshot is not forcible, I regret to inform you. Well,
1: also, there's no Brainstorm in this deck, which is obviously a fantastic card. But, oh like, it, jo- joking aside, I think just the plan B of this deck is so much worse than Breakfast deck is in uh, Legacy. Like, just comparatively speaking. Yeah, I mean, you're
0: not an Urza Saga deck. The deck's an Urza yeah. Saga deck. That's really all there is to it.
1: Yep. Now, if we could get Urza Saga into the deck somehow.
0: Yeah, you're five-color. There's not even enough <laughs> artifacts. I don't know. Maybe, uh, is there, like, some weirdo artifacts you can tutor up with Urza Saga? You know what? This is... This is definitely well within the realms of nonsense. I don't think Uh, it is, probably.
1: Does Viridian Longbow work? No, it doesn't give Indestructible. Right. I was Um, thinking about shooting the flump with the Bowmasters in play, but I guess that's sort of pointless to think about. Yeah,
0: I I don't think there is a... Yeah, there is not a... Unless... Oh, this was brought up, uh, you know segueing almost into the cleanup but this is brought up in the discord that you can get eater of virtue with urza saga and then uh equip it to a creature give that creature indestructible have it die um wait no that doesn't work uh because it's only eater of virtues a weirdo card like that it actually no, yeah hard itself mm, maybe we can have an indestructible creature die somehow you know we'll have to work through those details uh but maybe i can uh you know, now that Dom is going to be done with the Pro tour when he gets back, uh, spread this earworm to him and probably wreck uh, about, like, 23 minutes of his life? 23? I, I think the struggle of figuring out how to imprint a card on Eater of Virtue uh, is not something, like, at some point you realize real quick that it's just ridiculous.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. It seems really hard and also not worth the payoff. Uh, you know, that's totally fine. Maybe
0: this doesn't have to be in Ursa Saga Day. Yeah, but just think about it. I, I mean, I am. I'm not letting you take 23 minutes of my life by thinking about it, though. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, I think that about wraps us up for this week. Uh, so, Jarvis, where can everyone find you?
1: Uh, I've been playing a lot of MTGO recently on the stream at twitch.tv slash JarvisU. You can still find me on what's known as Twitter for now at jkyu06. Uh, I guess in case if the site dies, you can find me on Blue Sky at the same place. I'm still doing coaching on Metafly. haven't had students for a while. Um, I also have my own Discord. You can probably find it if you just click on my Twitter, and it'll pop up somewhere as well. Jarvis, you haven't pinned your Discord link? Uh, I... There was something else pinned there before. I think it was like the cancer donation thing. Then I didn't bother repinning yeah. anything else, which that's that th- that's more important, obviously. I I think in October I'm gonna do something like that again, so I'm not gonna bother to repin a social link for now. Fair enough.
0: And I have come up with the most uh, horrific brainworm way to get a card with uh, indestructible under eater virtue. Just for the record. Oh God, what is it? You plus your Karn on your One Ring, and then you play another One
1: Ring. Oh, and it has to be equipped to the first One Ring. Yes. Wow, this sounds like it... Nope, it, it sounds like I don't really want any part of this. Sorry. <laughs> well, you all
0: process all that. I'll get you on out of here, so... Um... <laughs> You can find me uh, at ARMLX on uh, Twitter. You can find my writings at Channel Fireball. Uh, you can find Dom on Twitter at Dominharvia. Harvia. Uh, you can find the podcast on Twitter at uh, Dominaria underscore pod. Uh, we are on Patreon at Dominaria's Judgment. And unlike Jarvis, we have in fact pinned a link to our Discord on our uh, Twitter. Uh, that is also going to be, you know, these show notes will be posted for some of our patrons. Uh, we have the link there as well. And yeah, we wish Dom the best at the Pro Tour. We will be excited to watch him go and see how he does. And uh, I, you know, I hope everyone gets to enjoy some, you know, high stakes modern and that we don't fall back into the horrific old patterns of pro players don't like modern, et cetera, et cetera. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Jarvis. I
1: I know exactly what you're talking about because I remember there was a rant about that for years that... Modern was like the most ships passing the might, night format possible. But I I will personally be awake at 4 a.m. on Friday or whenever it starts to watch the draft. Then I might take a short amount of time to hop on a co stream with my pal CCR and we'll probably watch some Modern. I can't watch the entire thing because I actually do have to go to work meetings at some point. But, you know. I think it, you're going to say you have to go to sleep. <laughs> well, no. I'm. I mean, I'm going to just go to sleep early tomorrow night, I think, probably. Got it.
0: Yeah, well, then it'll be on you to check what the first pick, first pack card of the entire tournament is and what the rarity is to just settle that one, even though we picked the same thing. So either we both win or we both lose, so it doesn't matter? I mean, we should keep track of if we score worse than the field of everyone. Like, if we oh, lose I see.
1: The things we didn't pick, that is just a mutual loss. I see. So if, if for some reason there was like a third ethereal party that, just automatically gets the leftovers we have to make sure we score better than that ethereal party
0: yeah the the npc of like the it's the anti-jarvis R Oh,
1: so an ethereal usher of swords huh
0: yeah you could even say that well i think that about does it uh you know everyone have a great morning evening commute night wherever you're listening to this and uh Jarvis will be back at some point in the future, I assume, uh, and he will have to either, uh, you know, lord it over me that he won, or uh, live with the fact that he has lost. Theoretically, we could tie if the third person wins. No, that mm, we could also just tie. You know, what? we'll you know, we'll just let the record speak for itself, and sure. that's where things will be.
1: Sounds good to me.